and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. My name is Scott Miller and I serve as your host and interviewer each week. Now, if you're a long-term subscriber to this series, you know that it is both now the largest leadership newsletter in the world and we're honored to all of you who are subscribing each week. We encourage you, if you're not subscribing, to visit franklincovey.com and click on the On Leadership button Fill out your information and each week you'll receive an email in your inbox on Tuesday mornings that includes this video interview that can also be consumed in audio via podcast as well as a blog from me about the interview as well as a tool that correlates to the topic from one of Franklin Covey's 30 plus solutions found in the All Access Pass. Now if this is not your first day, you also know that each week we have the amazing honor of interviewing different business titans, CEOs, best-selling authors, and we also like to advocate and interview influential leaders in the community. And today we have both of those, both a best-selling author and an influential leader. Her name is Muriel Summers, and she comes to us today from the Carolinas. Muriel, welcome to On Leadership. Thank you, Scott. I'm so thrilled and honored to be here. Well, I'm Thank delighted you. you're here. It's great to have someone uh, from the East Coast. I'm a Southerner <laughs> as well, if you count Orlando. So I feel yeah. like we have a bit of a kindred spirit there. Absolutely. And you're rocking the seersucker, so... Hey, what can I say? Bring it in summer. <laughs> so, Muriel, you are a lifelong educator. You are, you are increasingly an icon in the public education marketplace. You are one of the co-authors of Franklin Covey's The Leader in Me book, and you really are kind of the Johnny Appleseed of, uh, of transforming education. So I'm excited to have you here and talk a bit about your journey, what you see happening great in education, what can parents and leaders and community citizens do to help really transform and build on the momentum that you and so many millions of educational leaders and students are engaged in. So welcome here. Thank you. I want to take a few minutes and first have you, like I do with all guests, share your journey. Kind of how did you get to become a pre-K through five school administrator? You're the principal of A.B. Combs Elementary. What city? what city? Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Talk a bit about your journey. How did you choose to be a teacher and an educator and oh. what's that been like? Well, it wasn't um, by design initially okay. that uh, I was going to be an educator. I thought I was going to be a, a nurse and um, felt, however, after my second year at UNC Chapel Hill that something just didn't feel right. And I walked um, down the street and came across a group of children playing on a playground and I just stood there and I watched the sheer joy that exude from the children and from the teachers and the laughter and the happiness. And I thought, well, maybe this is what I need to, be, to do. And um, went to the School of Ed the next day and the rest is sort of history. I do come from a family of educators and I'm very proud of that. Um, but once I started taking my coursework, I knew I had found my life's calling and my passion. This will be my 40th year in education and there's never been a day, I can honestly say, that I did not love driving into a schoolhouse. I've never referred to what I do as going to work, but rather going to school. And the joy that I find there every day is what continues to keep me in the schoolhouse. I want to be you when I grow up, because <laughs> oh. I don't see joy in my kids' face every morning. Oh. Well, we should. We, we should. should. Yes, we but you haven't met my youngest. <laughs> well, let me meet him. Well, maybe you can fix him. Or fix me, because I think he's probably just fine. Oh. Yeah. So let's talk about why we brought you here today. 
because you're multidimensional, right? You have a family, you are a community leader, you're an educator, you're a school principal, but you also are an innovator. You are an inventor. And I'd like you to share with our audience what your association is with the Franklin Covey Company, and maybe more importantly with Dr. Covey. Mm -hmm. Rewind how many years ago and kind of share with us the story of how the Seven Habits inspired you and what was your association, what motivated you to begin to bring the Seven Habits into public education? When I was assigned the principal of A.B. Combs Elementary School, the timing of all of that, as I look back, um, was so critical uh, in terms of why I'm sitting here today. Columbine had just happened. Um, and this is how many years ago? This was about 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago, yeah. Columbine had just happened. I had just been assigned the principal of the lowest performing elementary school in our district. Mm. I later found out that um, five people had been um, offered the position at A.B. Combs, and I was the one that said yes. But five had turned it down prior to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, kind of like White House chief of staff <laughs> <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> yeah, we could say that. But what I realized through that, we're was two things, that I should have probably done my homework mm. like the other candidates had done, but I was just eager to become a principal and um, didn't really do. It was your first principal appointment. It was, yeah. 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, but what I certainly know now is it was the greatest gift I've ever been given professionally to have been presented with such an incredible challenge. But again, I, I go back to what was happening at that time. We were low performing. Columbine had just happened. There was a public outcry that schools had to look and sound and feel different. Uh, I also was charged with the responsibility of turning A.B. Combs around in one year. Um, and the challenge was you'll have no money to make it happen. You'll have no additional resources in which to make it happen. And you've got to come up with a thing that's like none other. So your principal or your, your superintendent says to you, welcome aboard. Uh -huh. Good luck. You have one year, lowest performing school in the district, that's no correct. additional resources or money. That's correct. Figure it out. Uh -huh. See you in 12 months. And make it happen. And make it happen. And make it happen. So I spent that time listening to a lot of our stakeholders, um, also looked for professional development opportunities that would perhaps guide me in what this transformation should look like. I had heard of Stephen Covey and had um, heard that he had released a book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he was going to be presenting in Washington, D.C. I had a budget of $500. So that tells you how long ago this was. But I knew I could drive there, I could pay the registration cost, and I could turn back around and, and go back to North Carolina in the same day, which is what I did. So hold on, that's a little sobering. Uh -huh. Because if you look at a lot of our listeners, these are corporate leaders across mm -hmm. America, and it's not often that we have an annual professional development budget of $500, mm -hmm. and we get in a car and drive several states away pay a conference fee and drive back. I, I think it's just uh, a moment of gratitude that everybody should be thinking about in terms of that's stretching a dollar, is it not? <laughs> well, and again, it was you know 20 years yeah, but ago, still, but yeah. still. Yeah. But it was the only way that I could do it. Um, of course, Washington traffic was not something I was anticipating, um, but nonetheless, I got there. I was about five minutes there before Dr. Covey came on stage. 
the ballroom was filled. I did not see one single empty seat except right at the very front of the stage. What type of conference was this? This was a uh, conference for primarily business leaders, I see, okay. but it was also open for educators. Right, right. But it wasn't an education conference No, it wasn't. Se. It was right. primarily business leaders who were there. So I just walk up to um, the one seat that I saw that was empty. I put all my things down and I turned and looked on the table and there's a big sign marked reserved. Um, I made my apologies to the people who were sitting there and I asked them would they please allow me to sit with them and they were gracious enough to say yes. But what I know, Scott, is that I was sitting there in that seat on that day for a reason. I was almost as close to Dr. Covey as I am to you right now. And as I listened to him speak, I was listening with the heart of an educator, well, with the heart of a parent, really, mm -hmm. um, and the mind and the head of an educator who was faced with an extremely daunting task. What I was also faced with at the time was that I was a single mom, and I had a mm -hmm. child that was five, um, one that was seven, and wondering how am I going to navigate my life uh, personally and how am I going to navigate my life professionally? And I sat there and I listened as Dr. Covey went through every one of these habits. And I reflected on how different my life might have been, how different the choices I might have made had I learned all of this much earlier in my life. First break comes around and I'm thinking, wonder if you can teach these habits to little children. And that was what continued to race through my mind. Didn't have enough, muster enough courage at that time to walk up to him and ask him that. Then there was the lunch break and I thought, okay, go do it, go do it, go ask him. Still didn't have enough courage. The final break, I thought, okay, it's now or never, go ask him if he thinks you can teach these habits to little children. So I did it, and I walked up, and the conversation, Scott, was just as brief. Dr. Covey, my name is Muriel Summers, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. Do you think you can teach the seven habits to little children? And his response was, well, you know my son Sean is just coming out with the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens, and I said, no, sir, I'm talking about children who were five to 10 years old. And his response to me was, well, I don't know why not, and if you do anything with it, let me know. Well, that was all the motivation and inspiration that I needed because I continued to think about the impact and the power of his work. This is 20 years ago. 20 years mm -hmm. ago. Thought, my goodness, if that young gentleman who felt so desperate at Columbine High School to do what he did, what if he had been exposed to this work? What if his life would have been different and the lives of those other children could have been saved? I also listened to our key stakeholders who were our parents, business leaders, university professors, our students, and we asked them, you know, what do you want uh, what does your ideal school look like? What do you want for a school? And all the feedback that we gathered in one short span of a week 
all went back to really leadership. They wanted their children to know themselves, to be happy with who they are. They wanted them to make good and good choices, mm -hmm. wise decisions. Um, university professors were telling us, we want students who will come and be motivated and understand the concept of time. Of course, business leaders listed what they wanted. Um, teachers listed what they wanted. Children who wanted to come to school, who were happy to be in school, who were respectful, making good choices. And children, interestingly, wanted teachers who would just love them. And they said that. I just want a teacher who knows me, who will love me for who I am. Well, I could see, as well as our team, um, this was such a team initiative. This is nothing about me. This is everything about what a community wanted for its children. So we, uh, the charge was it could not be like any other school. If we were going to transform ourselves, it couldn't be like any other themed school, and we're a magnet school, mm -hmm. that was anywhere in the state of North Carolina. Um, the superintendent was Dr. Jim Surratt, uh, one of the greatest visionary leaders um, I've perhaps ever worked for. And, but he issued us an incredible challenge. But what he also did was issue us the most unbelievable opportunity um, that our community really has ever experienced in terms of what we do for our children. So you started kind of incubating the seven uh -huh. habits immediately. It, we did. Tell us about that. Well, we did. There was no framework to follow right. then. There was no leader in me like there is now. Right. We just took Dr. Covey's book and we started to see how we could apply his principles, um, the habits, into the day-to-day -day teachings of children. So the rest is sort so of history. Fast forward, uh -huh. what changed? Everything. You know, the, the culture changed immediately. We started to create a school that was really designed by children. We asked children, how do you want this school to look? And we started to design it based on what they wanted. And I think that's critical. Our children um, are our greatest source of inspiration, information, um, motivation. And so why not go to them and ask them what they wanted? So that's what we did. Yeah. And we started to um, teach the habits in, in the best way we knew how. Now, please remember, we didn't have a consultant at that time. We, Dr. Covey said, well, if you do any, I don't know why not. If you do anything with it, let us know. So we started to pull books off of the bookshelves in our school media center. We said, we can teach the, the habit of be proactive through the little red hand. Hmm. We started to put in front of our children outstanding models of leadership, whether they were characters in a book or a local community leader who came in and talked to children as young as five years old about what it takes to make a difference and what it takes to lead and to serve um, the importance of learning, but also the importance of being compassionate and kind. You see, I have a student body of children from over 68 countries. In Raleigh, North Carolina. And I have a wow. little United Nations right. there. Right. And so teaching children at a very young age to lead and to learn and to love and to serve really is what we're about. The transformation was phenomenal. So over the course of more than a decade, uh -huh. you and your administrators and your teachers and students and parents build this Seven Habits course. Franklin Covey learns about it because you, you stay in touch with us. 
And then it explodes across, I'm guessing, the district, the state, and the nation, the world. And now you're sitting here, not quite 20 years later, but the leader in me has been codified. You've been uh, gracious enough to give Franklin Covey your insights and learnings and successes and struggles along the way. How many schools now is leader in me in? There are over 4,000 um, around the world. And you continue to be a little bit of a Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket for Franklin <laughs> Covey, right? You've got some celebrity now. I mean, you're on my program. But I mean, <laughs> no, more importantly, you're known worldwide as a, a visionary leader. Like anyone else, you turned, you know, nothing into something with a lot of help and a lot of uh, support and, and retooling. Uh, what would you say to administrators, a school principal like you, of which you know there are thousands around the world watching today, specifically to a principal that's trying to turn their school around. What worked for you that they could adopt pretty immediately? Okay. Well, first of all, it's AB Combs that um, the the school, the community that deserves all the credit. I am just fortunate enough to be the one who tells the story. Um, but again, it. It was a group of people. So my advice to a principal would be this. Listen to the people in which you serve. Understand that the role of a principal is all about servant leadership. It's certainly about doing what is best always for your children first. It's a no-brainer. You put your children first. You come up with a set of core values that you will guide your school day in and day out. And we learned the importance of having a few core values, not a lot, but a few that were impactful and meaningful and everyone knew and understood. We learned that from the military. We also have a mission and a vision that drives us every single day. Mm -hmm. The importance of a school leader to have a vision for where they want their school to be six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, is critical. Not only to state what that um, vision is, but to solicit the support of your community in crafting that vision for what may be. So as you're giving credit to the A.B. Combs family, mm -hmm. it, it came from the lowest performing school in the district. At that time. To we're in a good place. You're in a better place than good place. <laughs> Come on, share some of the well, accolades. Well, you know, we, we are in a good place. The um, school actually has won some uh, national awards, has it not? Well, we have. Talk about it. Come well, on. We're, Check we're, that Southern <laughs> hospitality and brag a little bit. Well, we have been named a um, National Blue Ribbon School. Thank you. Awesome to your team. Um, we've been named twice um, the only magnet school in America to ever receive twice the National Magnet School of America. Congratulations to um, E.B. Combs. Well, thank you. National School of Character. Wow. National Title I um, School of Excellence. Wow. Um, and there have been a few others. And we're you just, got to keep your job. Well, it's more <laughs> than that. It's about validating that the work that that school embarked upon was meaning something. But it also, Muriel, and you're gonna, your humility is you know, uh, inspiring and contagious, and we know that leaders are the leverage point. And as much as you are a gracious Southern lady, you're gonna always give credit to the team, and as you should. And leaders are the leverage point in any culture. It takes a leader that is motivated, that cares, that loves, that's uh, hungry, 
that wants to build a culture and try new things and create a, a, some risk tolerance, and you did that. I'm guessing you had a leader that allowed you to do that in your, in your superintendent, but the role of leader is, is everything. Talk about, speaking of leader, leader in me. In, in a nutshell, for parents, for, for uh, uh, social community leaders that are interested in transforming their school, what, what, what now has come of your and your team's initial risks to become leader in me? Talk about the process for a moment. I think we've created an operating system that allows children to lead and to learn and to serve. You know, most schools are focused on the academics, and that is our core business, and I don't need, mean to minimize that at all, because that is our core business. But until children feel safe, till they feel that they're a part of a school, that their role matters, we're not gonna get the best out of them. So what I see the leader in me being is an operating system, a framework that helps schools provide children with these opportunities to be all that they can be. And Scott, after doing this for as long as I have, I now have children that are in the workforce who are doing amazing things. And they will- you've seen them move through the process now. Oh, absolutely, now. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And the future is so bright because of what's happening for children in schools that are focused more uh, on the whole child than they are anything else. Yeah, let's talk about that. As a result of all the work that's been done at A.B. Combs from the community, from Franklin Covey, from your team and yourself as well, and your superintendent and school board, I'm guessing, you have a national platform. I mean, you are a fairly well-known now um, educational leader and visionary. You speak around the world and the nation. You still are the principal of the school, right? How many years? Um, 23. What's the average tenure of a American pre-K to five school principal? Well, I, I think it's around four to six years. Yeah. But I remember asking Dr. Covey once, when you're faced with a decision, how do you go about tackling that decision? And it's what's kept me at A.B. Combs this entire time. And he said, always think about where are you the happiest? That's most important. The second is, where can you make the most distinct contribution? So you think about that. And where do you have the greatest circle of influence? So I've had opportunities um, to perhaps serve in other places and yeah, sure, other positions. But I always ask myself that question. Hmm. And it always leads me back to a schoolhouse full of children and full of amazing teachers. That's where I'm the happiest. Wow. You're a better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, uh, as an educator, as a nationally recognized now educational leader, what advice would you give to the millions of parents, literally millions of parents watching this program, listening on a podcast? What, what's going well in public schools today? What, what, what do you want parents to know about what's going good? There aren't a lot of great national evangelizers yeah. that we hear about, right, from the media and such. What's going well that you want to communicate to parents? Well, and, and I think you've hit something here. We need to do more. 
uh, to promote all the amazing things that are happening yeah. in schools. Get the word out. Get the word out because, um, unfortunately, we're not always hearing that. So for principals, be better communicators. Be better evangelizers. Make sure that you're marketers. telling... Marketers. Yeah. Marketers. Uh -huh. Tell your story. Yeah. Because there's good stuff happening everywhere. Absolutely. And children are doing amazing things. Uh, and their stories need to be heard as well. But in terms of what would I say to parents... I would say be our partners. And the way that that happens is by a school flinging open its schoolhouse doors and welcoming and involving and having a system in place for how you engage yeah, your parents. Right. It just doesn't happen. Parents have to know it. what do I do and when do you want yeah. me and how can I support? Absolutely. And they're their child's most important teacher. And our teachers at Combs understand that that the only way to help any of their children succeed is by developing that relationship with the parent and with the child. So to recap, the, the, the principal, the school leadership, needs to, quote you, fling open the doors, uh -huh. invite the parents in, and but have a process so that it's very clear, it's not pandemonium, right. here's how we need your help, here's what to do. Absolutely. What, what advice, what counsel would you give to the business leaders in America, and the world for that matter, of how they can help their schools. I don't know the exact percent, but some large percentage of Leader in Me schools, the Leader in Me process is underwritten mm -hmm. by grants, mm -hmm. by foundations, and by businesses that want to invest in their local schools to create a better community, a better pipeline of competent future employees. What can businesses do, community groups do, to better their schools and their community? Well, and and there are great things happening in the business communities around this country in terms of supporting schools. But I think what they need to realize is that we are nurturing their future employees. And so um, help us. Give us your time. Give us your talent. Give us your dollars if you are able to do that. But what um, we all want business leaders to know is that we need their help and we need their support. But have a process as but well. But to have a process I mean, I'm guessing A.B. Combs has a process in place where local businesses can come in and not ask, and when they ask, what can mm -hmm. I do, you say, well, here's five things, right? You have uh, a yeah. very clear idea. And I usually start off with not asking for money. I want someone's time and their talent. Give and me an their... example. So if you've got a, you've got a, uh, a lady and a, and a, and a, or a gentleman that own mm -hmm. a glass repair business uh -huh. and they're in Raleigh, North Carolina and they uh -huh. want to help A.B. Combs for yeah. whatever reason, mm -hmm. what, is he, what, what would you have them do? The first thing I would have them do is to come and talk to the children about their own leadership and um, start to develop that relationship first and foremost by having them share their talents with our students or with our staff. Usually what happens after that is that they see what, what's going on in our schools. They see the need that we have. And most of it is about children just having someone else in their life other than their parents who are invested in them. And that's what's important. Some have been very generous and have opened up their pocketbooks and said, we want to do this, we want to do that. We see you have a need for this. We want to help with that. But more than anything, I want that human capital that our children need um, so much in their lives in terms of someone to love them, believe in them, communicate their worth and potential. 
And that's how I see the business community coming together to support education, to ask how they can help, and to realize that we are nurturing their future employees. Yeah. Yeah. Miro, get tactical for a second. Talk a bit about the leader in me because it's one of the most interesting things that Franklin Covey does worldwide, right? It's something that everybody can be involved in. Parents, students, teenagers, community leaders, elected officials, business leaders. When someone adopts the leader in me in their school, what's different a year later? If you were to walk in a leader in me school versus one three miles away, what's palpably different if you were to walk into a leader in me school? I think the moment you walk into a Leader in Me school, you feel that something is different. You know, we always say in education, within the first three minutes of walking into a schoolhouse, you can tell what that school is like, mm. is about. So you would see children leading in ways that you would not normally see children leading in a school. Give me an example. Well, you know, we have children who perform some of the same tasks. In fact, there's research that says 68% of the work that goes on in a school can be done by children. Children are the ones, are the face of the, um, the first people that um, a visitor would see when they come into our building. They're the ones that are greeting. They are the ones that are giving the school tours. They're the ones who are teaching from time to time in the classrooms. Um, I think you would be hard-pressed, certainly when you see our teachers in action, to really be able to pick out who the principal was of the school mm. because everyone is leading and serving and giving their best contribution. So that's kind day. of a good sign. If you can't ex immediately tell who is the principal, that's a good thing because there's so much leadership yeah. going on, they're not standing out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a team approach. Whoever's given the problem owns the problem. There's no micromanaging. We're all in this together. Children advise me um, at least um, two or three times a month in a system that we have in place to solicit feedback from children. Um, I get feedback from our parents twice a year at least. You know, so we're always asking how can we, be, how can we get better? And we're also saying how can you help us? Um, when you walk into any leader in me school in this country or around the world, you see children in action. Yeah. You see happiness. You see joy. I've been in one of the schools. Uh -huh. It's exactly as you're describing. Uh -huh. Our time's coming to an end. I want to ask you a couple of final questions. Okay. Speak to the disenfranchised educator, librarian, administrator, superintendent, school board member that's listening today. Uh -huh. What would you say, maybe ubiquitously, to give them a little bit of hope on what their role is, how they can breathe some life back into their passion for education. A lot of teachers are fleeing education mm -hmm. for the funding and the mm -hmm. safety and for the, the politics and mm -hmm. such. Any advice you might give, don't mean to put you on the spot, but how can you make your love for education contagious for the millions of people who are choosing to give back but are like questioning that choice? I think as a nation, we need to reevaluate the messages that we send to our children and to our teachers. Um, when children think that their worth is defined by a score on a piece of paper, that's a problem. When a teacher thinks that their worth, that their success as a teacher is defined by the collective efforts of children who have taken a test one day in a year, mm. 
that that defines them. That's wrong. Children are so much more than that. Teachers are so much more than that. Teachers need to fall back in love with teaching again. And I think that is our goal as educators, as leaders in the community, to ensure that that happens again. You're seeing a, dis a disenfranchisement disenfranchisements happening with educators because teachers are being evaluated and judged on almost solely the academic success Absolutely. of this testing or such, which is important. Everybody yeah. wants their kids to right. learn the skills and move through and go to college and such, but it's more multidimensional yeah. than that. Well, and I will tell you, I've yet to hear a business leader really talk too much about what a... Um, algebra score. Yeah, <laughs> a algebra score exactly. is. It's these skills of communication, leadership, Amen. Amen. kindness, compassion, yeah. that um, the softer skills, but to me, the most, some of the most important skills. I'd argue the most important. I mean, I'm I, not I a, would too. I'm not running a science lab. Yeah. I would never be allowed to do that. Right. But of the you know 40 people that were on my team... I don't think I cared if anybody could do algebra. No offense to the algebra teachers out there, but I all need, I need them all to take responsibility for their actions, mm -hmm. convert their thoughts into writing, mm -hmm. be good communicators, right. good collaborators, admit when they're wrong, brainstorm, yeah. resolve their interpersonal mm -hmm. problems right. with 50-year-olds, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all the things that you're teaching in The Leader in Me. Well, we, I think we respect our teachers in ways that they deserve to be respected. They have the most important job, I think, um, that we have, and that's developing and nurturing. And sadly, protecting. And protecting our children, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then I think we send a message to every one of our students on a daily basis. We believe in you. You have incredible gifts and talents just waiting to be uncovered. And so when a child hears every day that they're loved, that they have worth, that they have potential, that you design instruction based on the interest of a child, um, great things can happen. And I am over the moon hopeful and optimistic that this generation of children will indeed change this world for the better. And I can't wait for that to happen. I love just listening to you. Uh -huh. My blood pressure is lowered <laughs> just by being around you, Muriel. Well, thank you. You Scott. have this great book. You're a co-author on The Leader in Me with Sean Covey and a couple of other colleagues. You've had an amazing impact on the family at A.B. Combs. You've defied the conventional um, tenure of a school principal by a couple of decades. What's next for you? I'm exploring that right now. Yeah. You know, after you've been in education 40 years and people will say... Well, you're looking good. Well, thank you. <laughs> they will say, when are you going to retire? And then you wonder, well, do they think I should retire? Right, right. Um, but I'm, I'm searching you for that right now. Well, That's I hope right. I do. Yeah. I hope I well, do. Well, you've got a clear home at Franklin Covey. Well, so if you want you. any options here, I'll be happy uh -huh. to sign you up uh -huh. because I think you have been an enormously credible evangelizer. Thank you. For the principles that Dr. Covey didn't invent or, or discover, named, researched, organized, right. sequenced, packaged, that hundreds of millions of people around the world. This is the 30th anniversary of the uh -huh. Seven Habits book this right. year. It sold 30 million copies. We're actually re-releasing it in April of 2020 uh -huh. with some new insights from Sean Covey. So uh -huh. it's almost as if Dr. Covey's work 30 years later is just getting started because points of like, like Muriel Summers are evangelizing these life principles in college, elementary schools, in businesses, in universities, in public, uh, uh, you know, uh, public, public programs. It's all around the world. Thank you for your uh, 
your mission in education. Thank you. Thank you for being a great leader to your students and your parents and for an inspiration. And I hope Franklin Covey keeps you around mm -hmm. for a very long time. Well, thank you, Scott. It's been an honor to be with you this morning, and thank you for the difference that you make as well. Well, Muriel's all you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank Thanks, you Dr. So Covey. Right? Absolutely. What a fine gentleman. Absolutely. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Like you, my blood pressure is at lowest ever. I just need you around me more often. <laughs> <laughs> Might save my marriage. <laughs> Ten-year anniversary next oh, week, as a matter of fact. I know. I know. Very excited. My boys are trying to destroy that. So <laughs> welcome to the great conversation today with uh, Muriel Summers, uh, principal of A.B. Combs Elementary in Raleigh, North Carolina, the co-author of the book, The Leader in Me. Pick up the book. It's a great book if you're a parent, business leader, educator on what your role can be in helping to transform your local school. It's a great roadmap for how to bring the Leader in Me process into your school. And we'll see you back here next week with a new guest on leadership. Thanks for joining.